0: On episode 227 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn my top mistakes and winning strategies from a 5-0 singles match welcome to the tennis files podcast bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game and now here's your host marban iranshad everybody welcome back to another episode of the tennis files podcast it's really a pleasure to have you back listening and i thought that today i would break off and do a little bit of a different episode and this one is analyzing one of my matches, actually a set that I played against my friend Greg who is a 5-0 player and I have been playing a lot more matches these days over the past few months. I'm I'm playing in a couple combo leagues which is really fun and I have been in the habit lately of bringing my action camera with me which is a DJ Osmo action camera in case you're interested. And my tennis mount to the courts. And I've been asking my opponents and partners if I play doubles, whether they're okay with me recording. And I think all of them have said yes so far, which has been great. So I've been gradually loading up content on my SD card, which is, you know, the memory card that people use for their cameras and such. And I am really excited to actually have this match for you uh, on YouTube as well. So if you go to the show notes page right now, or if you go to tennisfiles.com slash YouTube, you can click on that video and watch this match. But for this podcast episode, I want to comment on what I found because I think it's really important to record yourself playing matches because you're going to find out a lot about your game. And many of these points, especially the mistakes, are things that I wouldn't have all it wouldn't have picked up on, but I was able to watch my match actually over a couple times, a few times because of, you know, the nature of uh, editing the videos and and putting it up for you all on YouTube. And I want to go through both my mistakes as well as my winning strategies. And the strategies were actually pretty simple, but to set up the stage for this uh, set of play Greg contacted me, and, and we decided to hit, and it was about 50 degrees or so outside. And uh, we played at some local courts near us, of course, and had a really great time. And it was a very competitive set, so I won't ruin it for you. I encourage you to check it out at, uh, on my YouTube channel, and again, link's in the show notes page. And I cut up the video so that it only shows... The playing time. It doesn't show like the lollygagging in between and rest time so and so forth. So I think you really enjoy it. I think it's about like 16 minutes in total. So uh, yeah, some pretty, pretty good tennis. And so let's get straight into the mistakes as I have my list here on my screen, which you can't see if you're listening. But the first mistake that I found myself doing sometimes, especially when I played tentatively, was falling back on baseline shots. And you know this is something that happens when you don't have a aggressive mentality when you're playing more defensive sometimes you'll revert to to falling back on your shots and I saw this a few times because it's ideal for you to even if you're being pressured to at least maintain a neutral sort of balance or ideally to of course be transferring your weight forward indicating that you're you know being more aggressive with your shots but you know, in some cases, I found myself um, falling back while I was hitting the forehand and then also not putting enough net clearance on the ball. So that resulted in me hitting these weak shots and missing them in the net. So that was one thing that I found out that I was doing and that I'm going to work on in my next match and uh, practices. And the next mistake that I made was um, hitting too many serves to the forehand, so this is definitely a critical mistake. Because as Craig O'Shaughnessy talks about, you've got this, the the uh, sword and the shield. And for you know, like ninety five percent of players or so, I'm I'm you know I'm not exactly sure on the statistic, but the vast majority of players, their forehand is their sword and their backhand is their shield. And so you know, if you're hitting um, serves to players forehands, especially if they're not You know, sufficiently hard or well placed, um, usually well placed is more important, then you're going to end up in a defensive position. And, you know, what was happening with me was um, I was giving Greg a lot of second serves to his forehand, and he would just blast those forehands to my backhand side, immediately putting me in a defensive position, having to um, run to cover that backhand side. So, and I, you know, I've been messing around or tinkering with my surf technique. And um, one other thing that I found as to why I was hitting too many serves to the forehand is because I had a tendency to uh, to open up my body prematurely on the serve. So you do want to stay more sideways, especially if you're hitting a, uh, a topspin serve or trying to hit um, to the backhand. But nevertheless, I was hitting too many serves to the forehand with my slice serves. So that was a big thing that I think could have made the set uh, much easier. And then along with that, uh, just, you know, upping the first serve percentage because your opponent is, is you know, generally going to be in a defensive mindset for that first, uh, first serve return. Um, but when they're hitting a backhand, or I'm sorry, when they're receiving a second serve, that's when their mental psyche is going to be more of an attack mode for at least for more of the advanced players. And then another big one that I saw that I really, really want to improve upon is that I waited for the ball to come to me on a lot, of, uh, a lot more instances than I wanted to. And, you know, I mean, this is something that, you know, it's partially impacted by fitness and then partially by, you know, your aggressive mindset. Um, which both I want to improve upon, but um, waiting for the ball to come to you has a lot of disadvantages. First off, by doing that, you give your opponent more time to react, to recover, and then second off, uh, and very importantly I found, is that the ball would drop then below my strike zone. So I have kind of a a halfway in between grip of a semi-western and a western on my forehand grip, so I like balls that are a bit higher than my waist level. But I found that, you know, for instance, a couple of times, like on a break point, and I think later in the match, Greg was recovering and hitting a, a you know a backhand looping shot. And instead of moving up and, you know, cracking that forehand, I was just kind of hanging around on the baseline and letting the ball come to me. And then what happened was the ball would would drop down at that time and then I would hit the ball below my waist. And then that caused me to dump the ball in the net. So that was not fun watching um, because, you know, it's obviously something that was not a positive thing, but I, I wasn't doing it a ton of the time, but enough to definitely concern me to, to focus on it in the future. And yeah. And then another mistake that I made was my backswing was too big on the returns. And again, this is something that, you know, I wouldn't have really thought about if I didn't watch video, which is why I really encourage you to set up your camera and, and mount however way you can to, to watch. So I was able to slow down the footage and watch frame by frame. And what I found was that on my serve returns, on my forehand, even on first serves, like Greg has a pretty big first serve, and I found that I was, hit, you know having a normal backswing. And this may be hard to visualize, but I noticed my racket traveling beh- like past my back. Um, so if you can imagine me rotated so that my back is like facing the left side now. So if you drew a line like from my stomach, it, it would go it would hit the, um, the back fence, and then my racket was traveling like behind that. That plane. So I was kind of breaking the plane in a sense. So basically, my backswing was way too big. And on some of the first serves that Greg hit, I was hitting the ball late. And look, I mean, there's some players like professional players like Medvedev. He has these ridiculously big um, backswings and he's, you know, top two in the world. But, you know, he is a, an elite athlete. He's practicing six hours a day. He's, got impeccable timing. And a lot of us don't have that. We're not playing as much and all this. So we need to simplify the game for ourselves. And one way to do that is to, you know, be cognizant of of how big our backswings are and just simply shortening them. Because you don't need to have a huge backswing to hit a big return. Um you know, there have been some times where I've actually realized the issue and, you know, again, especially against big servers, you know, you, you don't need to do much in the way of backswings to, to really crack a big return. You just use your opponent's pace. So that was pretty eye opening and definitely something that I'm going to work on in the future, uh, having that, that short backswing. And then uh, another mistake was hitting passing shots into the net. Uh, look, I mean, we're always going to miss um, our shots, but. You know, there were some big points there where I think, you know, part of it was being tentative, but then, you know, I was, I ended up dumping these passing shots in the net instead of making Greg hit a volley or two. So, you know, I think, you know, ideally you want to set up that one, two, right? You want to hit that dipper, um, force the opponent to hit a, a half volley or a volley upwards, and then you can... You know, go for the open court on that second shot. But if you're just missing the passing shot completely, you're not giving yourself a chance. And um, you know, especially at these levels, three uh, o to four five, and even five o. You know, like when you're making them hit a volley, and it's like somewhat low. Uh, look, you're going to yield a lot of errors. So give yourself that chance by getting the ball back. Uh, make them hit a volley. And, you know, just one minor thing is I do find myself kind of calling the lines too nicely and Greg had to call a couple lines uh, for me and, you know, that's not a great habit to have um, because, you know, look, you do want to practice like you play in a match and so if you do that in a match and you call the lines overly nicely, then in matches you might end up doing the same and regretting it and I have done that and... So again, yeah, calling the lines too nicely, not the best thing to do, even though it's practice. All right. And now for the winning strategies that I uh, was able to employ. I mean, my number one strategy was relentlessly attacking Greg's one-handed backhand with my forehand. And this again goes back to the sword and the shield. So you're just putting your sword against your opponent's shield most of the time. And you know it wasn't like Greg has a weak backhand, but his backhand is definitely, you know, not as powerful as his forehand. And so it's a one-hander. So like that against my forehand, which I hit with a lot of topspin, is definitely the way to go for me because I was able to yield um, short balls by doing that eventually. And also, you know, just avoiding getting these big forehands from Greg. And then along with that, hitting balls deep and heavy. So making sure that I was not hitting short balls. Like if I ever uh, hit like a slice that floated, or if I hit like kind of a, a a timid forehand where I didn't really swing out, then Greg would hop on that as a five-zero and a very good player. He would, you know, either put the ball away or have, have me running. And then he he does have very good net skills. And he was able to put away volleys and, you know, put away overheads and even hit a really nice, um, backhand overhead, so um, yeah, you do want to make sure that you keep the player deep and by hitting heavy shots and also just playing more aggressively so but but not playing like, you know, th- there's a difference between uh, going for broke and playing what I like to call controlled aggression, playing with a controlled aggression. So you know, with me and You know, this goes back to even the junior days. Sometimes I would fall in the trap of playing too passive and waiting for the other player to miss or the other team to miss. And, you know, the problem, especially at these higher levels, is this is going to give the opponent the attackable balls. And, you know, I've had to catch myself. Like, I even remember, you know, in some doubles matches, like rallying. uh, I've been playing a lot of combo mixed doubles, nine, five mixed doubles. So five, oh, paired with a, a four five, which has been really great. And it's been funny because, um, my five, my first five matches all went to a third set tiebreak One of them actually would have gone to a third set tie break, but timed out. So I'm actually counting that in the five. And so I won two of those and lost three of those. And then the very last match that I played for the combo mix nine, five, I won in uh straight sets, but it was six, two, seven, six. So, I mean, I mentioned all these, I get going a bit of a tangent, but basically, you know, especially in a lot of these tight matches, like I have caught myself like playing not to lose. And it, you know, definitely pissed me off. Like when I like did not swing out and I just kind of, try to get the ball in and hope the other player missed. And then the other player was able to like hit a more aggressive shot or hit, hit a big shot of my partner. And then I would tell myself immediately after, like, come on, just big targets, uh, heavy balls and keep them deep and swing aggressively. And that is the way that you want to be playing. It's, it's so frustrating to, you know, lose a ball or lose a, uh, a match like by just letting the other player take control. So that's really annoying. So, um, you know, play, play aggressively, but smart and have those big targets and you don't have to go for the lines, but just pin them deep, pin them deep, and then, you know, work them. So, uh, that, that's, that's a winning strategy. And I noticed, I think when it got, um, tied up late, I turned that on and that made the difference. So again, if you want to watch that, check out my YouTube channel to watch the video of this match. And yeah, and I guess the last winning strategy is playing consistently and aggressively. Uh, It's obvious that whoever is more consistent is going to win, Um, but not just consistent, but also aggressive. You know, full swings, using your body, intense footwork, weight moving forward. These are all things that I have to constantly remind myself of so that I'm not, you know, making those mistakes I talked about of like falling back, letting the ball come to me. So some really really cool stuff that I was able to uh, to glean for, simply from recording these matches, so really enjoyed that and yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else to recap for you, but um, yeah if you have any questions about how to record your match, just let me know and you know I do want to check out some of these apps like swing vision um, to to see if I can upload my my match and see some of the stats Um, but with that the link to the video is in the show notes page so go to there go there and um, check out my youtube channel and you can watch the video Um, really appreciate it Uh, and if you enjoyed this episode then I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review for the tennis falls podcast and you can do that on your podcast app of choice that you use to listen to the show or on Apple Podcasts is generally the most helpful. And let me know what your favorite mistake and your favorite strategy was. Like which one of these was most illuminating for you. I'm really curious to hear about that. And I know this was a different episode, the solo episode, but um, you know, these mistakes especially like I feel like a lot of people make these mistakes and finding them through the video I thought was very interesting, and I did want to share it with you, and uh, we are going to have a lot of great interviews coming up for you down the pike, so look out for that. And I do want to leave you with a quote, as I often do it at the end of the show, and this one is by Joseph Campbell, and Joseph said, find a place inside where there's joy, and the joy will burn out the pain. Really like that quote. All right, well, that's it for me. And, uh, yeah, I'm just lately, I've been doing a lot more YouTube videos. I actually have invested some, uh, a lot of time and money into, uh, learning how I can do that better for you all. So I'm really excited to put out consistent content on YouTube. So I hope you enjoy that. And, you know, as tennis players, I know we're very visual. So just trying to bring you as much content as I can with the podcast audio, the interviews and solo episodes, and then the youtube videos where you can learn visually as well as auditorially if that's the right word i don't know all right well thanks so much for listening to this episode of the podcast really appreciate it and i'll see you next time in the meantime keep improving your tennis game thanks for listening to the tennis files podcast for more tips to help you improve your tennis game visit tennisfiles.com